I'm telling the students tonight that there's people bringing food for them. Please don't disappoint me. Okay. Please come and join us afterwards. Bring an extra chippy. Um, bring apples if you have to. But we're just going to share and spend time together. Okay. And tonight, for the students, I'm going to tell them they must bring the gears. Okay. So please join us next week. It's going to be a great time together um, as a spiritual family as we just reflect over the year and we thank God for what he's doing. Uh, we are busy with a series called Emotions. And for the last couple of weeks, we've looked at different emotions and we've specifically uh, asked the question, how do we biblically deal, think, or act towards these emotions? Uh, we spoke about anger. How do we treat or handle anger? We spoke about hurt. Last week, we spoke about anxiety. How does God lead us and help us to deal with anxiety? And today, we're going to speak of, about Something that's a little bit lighter, joy. Yes. What is the secret to happiness? Now, there's a title for a book that will make you a number one bestseller. And people have attempted that. Five steps to a better you. Three ways to be successful in life. The secret to happiness. Maybe if we do like a series on this that's accompanied by a book deal, we might gain enough money to build more buildings. Because generally everybody seeks to find joy. And I joke about this being a number one seller. But the reason why people will buy things like Three Steps to a Better You is because every one of us have a deep, desire to be happy. If I were to ask every one of us walking into the building today, do you want to be happy? I believe all of us would have said yes. There might have been one or two that gone, no, leave me alone. <laughs> but in general, as humans, we want to be happy. We desire to experience joy. We want to enjoy this life. And yes, this life is not your best life now. But boy, we wish we'd get close to it. We want to be happy. But we're living in a world that's constantly full of disappointments and challenges and discouragements. A world that's unfair. A world that's unpredictable. So is it realistic to expect to find joy amidst so much instability? Is it possible to find joy when there's so many things that's just trying to steal it. All of us want to be happy. And we try to be happy in very different ways. We try to find happiness in various ways. We try to find happiness, happiness in what we do. Whether that be 
your occupation, what you do for a living, or whether it's some sports or hobbies or, or just things that you do for recreational uh, value, or whether it's just watching a movie and scrolling on Instagram. We try to find happiness in what we do. We try to find happiness in what we experience. Therefore, we run after experiences. We go to experience different things and have different adventures and we try to find joy in these moments and experiences. Some of us try to find joy in the way that we look. Let's be honest, there's something great looking in the mirror and going, hey. <laughs> it's a whole different story if you go in the mirror and you go, ah! But there's something that we find, there's some form of joy that we find in the way that we look. We, find, we try to find joy in friendships and relationships. Some people try to find joy in marriage. And they pursue marriage with the sole purpose to find joy. Thinking that the other person will make them happy. The sad reality is, many people get divorced for the same reason. To find happiness. Not all. Not all divorce is rooted in that. But some people try to seek joy in these relationships. Most of us want to find joy in what we have. That's why we're so excited about Black Friday. It's another (laughs) opportunity to buy something that you think will make you happy. And every bank in the world is happy about this. We try to find happiness in things. If I only had a BMW, a GS motorcycle, man, that will make me happy. Then I can go on adventures. This is like a double deal. Try to find happiness in things. Most people believe that more money will make them more happy. Try to find joy in our bank, our salaries, in our savings plan. Most people think joy is rooted in freedom. Being able to do whatever you want to do, whenever you want to do it. I think that's every teenager's idea. If I can just do what I want to do, once I'm out of this house, then I will be happy. And most of us sitting in this room know, once you're out of that house, the opposite. But the idea that you can do whatever you want to do, when you want to do it, for some people, that's the illusion of joy, being independent. Some people turn to substances like food and alcohol and even drugs to experience moments of joy or at least to numb the pain of discontentment and unhappiness. What gives you joy? A better question, and what are you placing your trust for joy? 
What is the source of your joy? See, all of the things that I've mentioned aren't necessarily bad things. I'm not advocating this morning that we shouldn't find pleasure and joy in friendships and in marriage and the things that we are blessed with. I'm not advocating that you shouldn't enjoy a nice meal, that it's a sin to enjoy in fine cuisine. I'm not advocating that we shouldn't find pleasure in this world. But this cannot be the source of our joy. Because all of these things can give us moments of pleasure, but it cannot give us lasting joy. And if we cannot get these things, if we don't attain it, or we are prevented from going on these experiences, or they are taken away from us, then we lose our joy. I read a quote a couple of years ago on an article on joy. I can't remember the author, but I remember this saying. He said, we all tend to hang heavy weights on the thinnest of wires. Meaning we tend to hang significant and important things like our joy on fragile and uncertain things that can easily and quickly be taken away. Heavy things like our joy We build it on things that can easily be taken away. So is our hope to experience joy in this world based on what we, is our our only hope for joy in this world based on what we can experience and have? Or is it possible to have a life, a joy-filled life, regardless of what we have and what we experience? That's the question we want to answer this morning. We're going to look at a specific scripture in John 15. If you have your Bible with you, you can turn to John 15. And just to give us a little bit of background as to John 15, it's one of my favorite scriptures. I know someone else mentioned it as well this morning. Um, But this is the evening before Jesus would be captured and eventually crucified. And here in John, these couple of chapters of John, we see some of the most significant conversations that Jesus had with his disciples. These are some of his last moments with them. And then we're going to read here from John 15, where Jesus teaches them one more time. Before we do it, let's pray together. Father, as we seek this morning to find an answer to a deep desire in each one of us to experience joy and happiness, Lord, Uh, We want to turn to your word as the source of our answers. And Lord, this morning as we look at this specific scripture, I pray that you would speak to us as clearly as you spoke to your disciples. I pray that through your spirit that you would make your word um, in such a way that we'll understand it, but also that it will be personally addressed to each one of us. Lord, I pray that you would help me and, and us in studying your word that We'll stay true to your intended will and your desire for us. And Lord, I pray that you would guide us in your truth. That your word will not just be more information that we hear this morning, but that it will be something that transforms our hearts and our minds in such a way that we'll be the men and women that you've called us to be. And therefore, Lord, we're not just turning to your word for answers, Lord. We're choosing to submit ourselves, our hearts, our desires, and our thinking unto your word. And we pray, Lord, and we ask, may your perfect will be done 
in us this morning. Amen. Let's read together this from verse 5, John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But this my, this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abided in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Can we stand still with that last sentence for a moment? Think about what Jesus is saying to these disciples. Knowing full well that they will probably enter the hardest couple of moments that they have ever faced in the next couple of days and hours. They will face fear, rejection, anxiety, anger, disappointment, hurt, loss. And Jesus says to them, I've said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. But Jesus is saying to them, he has joy. In Jesus, there's joy, and he wants to give us his joy. He doesn't just want to supplement our joy. He wants to give us his joy so that our joy may be full. Different translations say, so that your joy will be complete. So what Jesus is saying, I have something that I want to give you that if you receive this, it will fill every need you might have. Every need and desire for joy will be filled by my joy. See, joy is not something that we have to work for or search for. It's not something hidden in experiences. God wants to give us joy. It's not something that God says, go and find it and search for it in this world. God says, I'll give it for this world. But this is not any joy. Jesus says, this is my joy. And this joy will bring that desire for joy in fullness. It will complete it. It's important that when we think about God's joy, we have to uh, think about it in the bigger narrative, the bigger story of the Bible. When God says he's going to give us joy and fullness of joy, this joy that God offers is not a promise of the absence of difficulty. This joy that, off, that God offers is not a promise that our lives will be free of struggles and pain. This promise of joy is not a promise of an easy life. 
It's not a promise that you will receive everything that your heart desire. And it's not a guarantee that you won't go through disappointments. That's not the joy of the world. The joy that God offers is something far greater than emotional feelings of happiness. The joy that God offers is a contentment that He is enough. That He is a Father that will provide into all our needs. Not necessarily our desires. Whom of you know that all of our desires are not good? And if we receive everything that we desire, it will be bad for our soul. It's a joy that God is enough. And that we can find contentment in Him. And that He will provide into all our needs. It's a joy that in Him we'll find a peace that settles our restless heart. A peace that's greater than any fear we might face. It's a joy in the comfort that God is trustworthy. It's a joy in the hope that nothing is impossible for Him. And if we're willing to trust Him, that He will do far greater things in our lives than we can ever think and dream and imagine. And it's a joy to know that we're never alone. That we have the presence of God with us. It's far more than feelings of happiness. It's far more significance, significant than moments of pleasure. God wants to give this to us. He wants us to experience this. And God says, this will be enough. But unfortunately, not everyone experiences this joy that Jesus wants to give us. There's a prerequisite to experiencing this joy. When we read through the scripture, there's a word that constantly repeats itself. You don't have to be a theologian to pick up what's happening here. Abide. Abide, 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 abide. There's a prerequisite to experience this joy that, God, that Jesus wants to give us, and it is to abide. The word abide is a verb. It requires action and intentionality. It's something you must do. It's not just something that happens. And this word abide means to remain or to stay in a specific condition or activity. So Jesus says, remain in this, stay in this, abide. And then there's certain things that Jesus says that we need to abide in to experience his joy. Firstly, Jesus says, abide in me. We can go to the scriptures, Nolan, thank you. Abide in me. If you think about this picture, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. See, branches are dependent on the vine. They draw their life source from the vine. Sometimes we don't see ourselves as branches of the vine. We see ourselves as succulents. You know what's a succulent? A fed blankie? No, a succulent can just be cut off a branch or even a leaf and just stick it in the ground and it will grow its own uh, just, um, what do you call it? Roots. Yeah, I missed that word. 
will grow its own roots and it will survive on its own. Bad news is, you're not a succulent. We're a root of the vine. And if you were to cut off a branch of this vine, and you were just to stick it in the ground, it would wither and it would die. It does not have the ability to grow its own roots. It does not have the ability to sustain itself. That's why Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And once our lives are cut from the vine, once we've separated ourselves from the source, as Jesus is our source, our soul dies. And we can do nothing. There's nothing we can do to change our emotions, to change our thinking. To remain in Jesus is to remain in relationship with him. It's to live dependent of him, to trust him that his life will penetrate our life, that he will bring life to our soul. It's to know how dependent we are of him. It's to continue, not just in moments with Jesus, but to continue in relationship with Jesus. But what does it mean to be in relationship with Jesus? Jesus goes on, this is a scripture, he says, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish. If we abide in Jesus, if we remain in, his, in relationship with him, his words will abide in us. This means that we would have to abide in his words. It's not just his words abiding in us. We need to abide in his words, meaning we need to know the words of Jesus. We need to meditate on the words of Jesus. We need to make the words of God part of our life. We need to apply it to our life, allow the word of God to transform our thinking. And if we do this, if we abide in the word of God, that will lead us to prayer. Because if, you, if my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. If we abide in the word of God, we will know the will of God and therefore we'll pray according to the will of God. And then Jesus see, say, we will see unanswered prayers in our lives. We won't be praying for the BMW GS, but I'll pray according to the will of God and we will see God answer those prayers. The lifeline of any healthy relationship is communication. Any relationship requires communication. Whether it's friendship, marriage, parenting, it requires healthy relationship. Just for a moment, think about how many tension comes when there's not good communication, when you miss each other. Prayer is our communication with God. It's when we are the the privilege and the ability to speak to God and to listen to God speaking back to us. It's our privilege to quiet our soul and ask God, God, would you speak to me? Prayer is not just a moment where we download our needs list to God. It's a moment where God speaks to us. If you abide in my words, you will abide in prayer. 
Jesus' words will lead us to God's will and that will lead us to prayer. And then Jesus goes on and he says, Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. So it's not just abide in the emotion of love. It's Jesus says, keep my commandments. This is how you abide in my love. This is how you show your love. Any love relationship requires boundaries. We read these words and we think, oh, commandments. Obedience, not nice. Doesn't mean I can do whatever I want to do. Well, the reality is, in a love relationship, you cannot do whatever you want to do. If you take marriage as an example, marriage is exclusive. And in marriage, if you do whatever you want to do at the detriment of someone else, it could be really harmful. Any love relationship requires boundaries where within you live and discipline yourself. So Jesus says, if you abide in my love, stay within the boundaries of my word. Live according to my word. This is how we get to experience his joy. By abiding in him, abiding in his word, abiding in prayer, and abiding in his love by living according to his words. Then we will experience his joy. But what if we don't look at the scripture? What if we don't look at Jesus' words just to find out how we may experience joy? What if we use Jesus' words and we look at his words differently to rather answer the question, why are we not experiencing joy? If this is the way we experience joy, let's for a moment turn this conversation upside down and ask the question of our own lives. If there's this desire to be happy, a desire to experience joy, why am I not experiencing joy if God says he'll give it to us? It's not something you have to search for. It's not something you have to obtain. God gives us. So if we're not experiencing his joy, why not? Well, what would be the opposite of living in relationship with Jesus? Self-reliance. When we live as if we don't need God. When you wake up every morning and you do what you feel is right. Where you live from your own strength and your own ability. Self-reliance, where you elevate yourself and things above God. Self-reliance will keep us from experiencing God's joy. When you're trusting yourself above God. The opposite of abiding in God's word would be arrogance. Thinking that we know better and our wisdom and our understanding is enough. That our knowledge and our will is good and that we don't measure it according to God's word. 
that we're living from our own understanding. It's arrogance. And I know it might be offensive to some of us, but let's be at least honest to what's happening in our hearts. It's arrogant to think we can live apart from God. Not abiding in His Word is a form of arrogance. It's part of unintentionally we might be saying, God, there's other things more important than your word. Arrogance will keep us from experiencing joy. This arrogance will lead us to prayerlessness. We will not spend time with God, speak to God, listen to God speaking to us. Cannot experience to expect to experience this joy if we're not praying. And ultimately, disobedience will keep us from experiencing God's joy. Cannot expect to live in the joy of God if we live outside the will of God. God cannot bless and grace that what is outside of his will. Disobedience will keep us from experiencing God's joy when we do whatever we want to do, whenever we want to do it, according to whatever looks good to us. So it's not so much, will God give us joy? Rather, it's a question, what keeps us from experiencing God's joy? And if we had to give a summary word for that, what you see on the screen, what's the main thing that keeps us away from the joy of God? It's independence. Independence is the thing that keeps us from experiencing God's joy. We struggle to feel and experience the joy of God because we live apart from God. We have moments with Jesus, but our source of joy is something else. We trust and rely and depend on something else for our joy. It's not God. We have religious moments, but then we continue to live in complete independence from God. And if we're not dependent on him, what is the life-giving source of your soul? The problem with independence is when we live independently, then everything is about you. That's what independence does. Your whole life and everything that you do becomes about you. If you, want to be, if you want to have a recipe to be unhappy, make everything about you. The universe, God, and everything around us was not created so that you might be the center of it. It's unhealthy. If you want to have a recipe not to experience joy, make yourself the center of the universe. When everything is about you, it's everything is about what do I deserve, what do I have, what do I don't have, what is best for me, 
What is my needs? Who am I? Who likes me? Everything is raw, evolves around you and your character and your nature cannot sustain that pressure. Therefore, you cannot be happy. Because this world was not created for you. Therefore, you cannot be the center of it. Life is a gift. A gift that makes part of God's story, not your story. Inevitably, self-focus makes us unhappy. It leads to discontent and joylessness. So before we can experience God's joy, before we get into this religious activities of doing more for joy, we need God to deal with our independent hearts. Joy starts when we acknowledge God, apart from you, I can do nothing. Deal with my independent spirit. The way that Jesus dealt with the independent spirit of mankind is by com completely becoming dependent on God. Philippians 2 says Jesus gave up all his rights, took on the nature of a servant, became a man, and he lived the life in full dependence on God. Life that we cannot live. We deviate to make ourselves the center of our own world. Where Jesus came and he made God center of everything. In complete dependence of God, even unto death, where God had to raise him. And through Jesus' dependence, we are restored back into a relationship with God that is life-giving. And how we deal with the independence of our heart is to recognize that this world is not about me. That this relationship to which Jesus is restoring us is, is a relationship to someone that's far greater than me and it's part of a story that's far greater of me. And then it leads us to a place to say, God, would you forgive my independence? It's where we repent that we've made everything about us. And we turn to him and we trust him to change us. Trust him to help us live in a way that's not about us. It's when we start to align our lives with his will in such a way that everything we do is about him and it's for him. And then when we do this, from this relationship we experience joy. The natural outflow of the Christian life is joy. God is not withholding it. God is not punishing us by not giving it to us. He's already given it. It's there for us to experience it. But for us to experience it, God needs to deal with the independence of our soul. But if we allow him to, we experience in this relationship something that is beautiful, a joy 
that is not based on the things that we have and the experiences that we feel. It's a joy that God is enough and that he is good and he will provide according to all my needs. It's the peace of his presence. It's the comfort that he's trustworthy and it's the hope that nothing is impossible for him. See, our joy as Christians do not hang on the thinnest of wires. It hangs on the assurance on the cross. There's no greater foundation for joy. What Jesus did on the cross was enough. And on that moment on the cross, he even dealt with my independence. Therefore, I may experience God experience his joy let's pray i want to ask that the band come and join me here in the front as they're coming to the front i want to give you a moment To answer the question, why am I not experiencing the joy of God? And if there's something that you experience this morning, if you realize there's a form of independence in your life, there's an invitation for you to, to repent. Say, God, I'm sorry for this independent spirit, for this independent way of living. Would you forgive me? Thank you that you've even dealt with this independence on the cross. And therefore, Lord, I trust that you would come and change me. Lord, help me to live in full dependence on who you are, out of relationship with you. Help me to live not just for myself, but help me to live in such a way that everything that I am and everything that I do reflects who you are and it's for your glory. I'm going to give you a moment just to pray that prayer on your own. What keeps you from experiencing God's joy? Lord, we want to thank you this morning that our joy does not hang on the experiences and things of this world, but it hangs on the assurance of what you've already done. And Lord Jesus, we want to thank you this morning that there's forgiveness in your name, 
Thank you, Lord, that you've already conquered independence, Lord. And I pray this morning that as we turn to you and as we sincerely repent of our independence, Lord, that you would come and do something in our hearts. I pray that you would give us a spiritual awakening to be aware of your presence, Lord. Be aware of where we are trusting our own will and living from our own strength and our understanding, Lord. And I pray that, Lord, that you would, as you do this, settle a humility in our hearts. A humility that says, we need you, Lord. And Lord, as we turn to you, may you fill us with your joy. Lord, I pray this morning for people that's going through difficulty, that's facing hardships, that's facing disappointments, that's facing challenges, whether that's in relationships or in the environments around them, Lord. I pray for people that's really struggling to see your hand of provision this morning. Lord, I pray that regardless of that they might see and feel in this world, Lord, that you would fill them with your joy. Because, Lord, we acknowledge we need you. Lord, even if there's breakthrough, even if there's provision, the joy that we'll receive from that will still be temporary. We seek your joy, a lasting joy. Therefore, Holy Spirit, I pray would you come and fill us with your joy this morning. I pray for every person that sincerely turns and repents from their independence. bring life to us this morning. We thank you for what you've done, Lord Jesus, on the cross. Thank you for the assurance of joy through what you've done. And Lord, I pray now for us as a church, may you help us to live in your joy and may it be a testimony unto the world that you are worthy, that you are good, and that you are holy and there's no one like you. Because, Lord, it's not about us. It's about you. We pray this in your wonderful name, Lord Jesus. Amen. I want to encourage you and challenge you. Imagine what could happen if you, for the next week, start every morning saying, God, I need you today may experience your provision and joy throughout the day. It's a simple prayer. Can we commit to do that? Imagine what will happen in your heart. Imagine what will happen in your soul and your mind if we start every day. God, I need you. Would you provide? Would you come and guide? Would you lead me through this day? Let's see what God does in your life. We're going to end this morning by singing this last song again as a prayer that we sung, that you are the vine. So I want to encourage you, let's stand and let's sing this over our lives. Let's focus on what we're singing this morning. Trust in God that he will fill us with his joy.
Vem 